Let's unite our hearts in prayer together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the wonder of all that we sang. We thank you for these carols which we sing year on year and yet they never become tiresome because they are packed with the, the greatest message that was ever told and the wonder of the fact that this is the message that is true uh, and a message that changes everything in life and changes everything eternally. We thank you, Lord, for the, for the glory of these carols, for the glory of the Christmas story, that the God of heaven would come to earth on this rescue mission for, for sinners. We thank you, Lord, for the, the peace and for the, the mercy that we are able to enjoy because of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus came to, to reconcile God with sinners. We thank you that we, who are enemies of God by nature, are able to find peace with God through the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the joy which we are able to receive in our hearts when we are trusting in Christ. A joy that is steady, a joy that is not connected to the circumstances of this life, but a joy that is grounded in eternal truth, the truth of Jesus coming and living and dying and rising for our salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the, the healing that we sang of uh, in the wings uh, of Jesus. We, we thank you, Lord, for the, the healing that we receive for our souls when we are trusting in Christ. We thank you that the sin, uh, the, the infection of sin, which has been passed on ever since the beginning through Adam, uh, is, a, is a, an infection that has been removed by Jesus. We thank you that he took the sting of sin and the sting of death into his body on the tree, so that if we believe in him, we have the promise of, of healing, health that is eternal, and that is irreversible. So help us, Lord, we pray, to be, to be trusting in Jesus. Help us to know in our own being the, the peace and the joy and the contentment and the health, the eternal heart health that Christ alone can bring. And we thank you that we, we come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, on the basis of all that Jesus has done for us. We thank you for the cross that we must never drift from, the place where our sin was paid for. We thank you for the resurrection that we remember every Sunday, the first day of the week, the day where we celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. And we pray, Lord, that we would know the life of Jesus in each one of our lives. And we pray especially for those who are struggling at this time. We pray for those who are battling with, with health issues and we, we, we see them in our mind's eye. We, we, we name them in our hearts and on our lips, Lord. We, we bring them to you. We're conscious of so many just now who are battling with their health. We pray for Marlene and we pray for Elaine in hospital in Glasgow. We pray for Isabella as she struggles to recover after eye surgery. Uh, we pray for wee Iona, in Glasgow as well, and Shona, as she seeks to support them in the family. We pray for Roddy and Miavig, for Rachel McSween over in Scalpy. We pray on for Hannah and for others, Lord, that we, that we see in our, our mind's eye and perhaps we're not able to speak so freely about. We, we pray for those who are struggling and we ask, Lord, that they would know the help and the healing touch of Jesus, where that be your will. And where, Lord, there is the inevitability of, of life 
in this world coming towards an end. We pray for your grace and for your peace to be given to those uh, who are approaching uh, death's dark veil. We thank you that Jesus is the one who can carry us through death into life that's everlasting. And we praise you, Lord, for the, the hope and for the comfort that that brings to us. We pray for those who are grieving. We bring them to you also at this time. We pray on for Kenny and for Elaine. We pray on for Ross and for, for Mary Cameron. And we pray for Doll and Scadaby and the McLeod family after Doll losing his sister Christine uh, overnight. We bring them to you, Lord, in prayer. And we ask that the comfort of God and the peace of God would be known uh, throughout the family. And for all those who struggle at this time of year with uh, grief and the, that sense of those who are absent, we pray for your spirit to be given in great measure to those uh, who are grieving. We thank you that you bring comfort to those who mourn. We pray for those also who would desire to be with us, those who are at home just now and who are seeking to recover from procedures and, and, and those who are at home for, uh, for different reasons, infirmity and, and the passing of the years. We, we bring them to you also, Lord, and we ask that as, as we come together physically to worship, that they would know that sense of togetherness with us and with you in the place of worship, Lord. We thank you that you are not bound by these walls, but you are the God who is everywhere at all times. And we pray for others, Lord, who have health and who have opportunity, but who have no desire to come to the place of worship. And we ask, Lord, that you would create in them a soul thirst that would uh, seek for the only one who is able to satisfy our souls, uh, that being Jesus. So hear our prayers and bless us, we pray. We thank you for the wee ones that we hear. Uh, we thank you that they are the answer uh, to our prayers and they are a, a gift from you. And we pray that you would bless them and that as they grow up in this world, that they would be kept close to you and that they would grow up to know you and to glorify you. So hear our prayers. Be with those who are with us, the wee ones. We think also of Evelyn at home and others, Lord, uh, who may be in the creche. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Let the little children come to me, said Jesus. And we pray that each one of these wee ones that we have with us and that we see in the community would come to Jesus. So hear our prayers. Take away our sins, we ask. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us understand all that stuff and to trust him. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you that over hundreds of years we can read the message in the Bible that promises us that even though we uh, were not safe in our hearts because of sin, you were going to send a saviour, your son, into this world to save us from sin. And we thank you that Jesus came into this world to break the power of sin and to break the power of death and to give us everlasting life and everlasting safety if we trust in him. So help all the boys and girls and help all of us here, we pray, to be trusting in Jesus and to be looking to Jesus this Christmas. Help us with all the excitement and all the noise and all the activity of the season not to take our eyes off Jesus but to keep our eyes on Jesus and to be trusting him. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if we could turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1 please. Matthew chapter 1 and we'll read the whole of this chapter. And we start uh, with the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad. Abiad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, she had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. If you could have your Bibles open now, please, at Matthew chapter 1. You'll find that helpful. Let's pray as we go there. Lord, we thank you for your word and we pray for your help as we study it. And we pray for the wee ones as well. Uh, some of them in the Sunday school through uh, the wall, we ask that you would bless them. And as they think about the Christmas story, we ask, Lord, that uh, you would give them faith that they would be able to take hold of it and uh, know the blessing of it. And for the wee ones that are on their way to, to the stable, we ask, Lord, that, uh, that you would be with them, that the thrill of uh, the Christmas story would impact them, and that they would be able to, to listen, they'd be able to believe, and, Lord, that they would know uh, the blessing of Jesus as their Saviour in their early years. So bless the wee ones, we pray. And uh, we ask that uh, they would be found looking to you over these days. We pray, Lord, that you would be with the congregations around us as well. We thank you, Lord, for Ian Murdo and for 
uh, his, uh, is beginning to return to work. And we ask, Lord, that as he preaches today, that he would know your help, that he would know the help of the Holy Spirit, and uh, that you would speak through him, Lord, as he, we pray that you would speak through all those who open your word and preach Christ uh, crucified. So hear our prayers and help us, Lord, uh, we ask. We, we, Lord, know that apart from you, uh, we can do nothing. And without the help of the Holy Spirit as our teacher, uh, we can't see and we can't hear, we can't understand, we can't respond. And so we cry out, Lord, and we ask that you would be amongst us and that you would speak to us and that you would minister uh, within us. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been traveling in the direction of uh, Christmas. And uh, rather than going at high speed straight to the, to the manger, uh, we've allowed a bit more time for, for the journey. And, and we know we do that sometimes. Uh, sometimes we just have to get somewhere as, as fast as we possibly can. Uh, sometimes we want to savor the experience a bit more and we allow a bit of time for the journey and we maybe look a little to the left and a little to the right and we explore the, uh, the, the area that we're, that we're heading towards. And we've kind of taken that approach this year as we've been going towards the, the, the story of Christmas. Uh, we've visited some places in the Old Testament that we might not otherwise have gone. Uh, we've been to... to, uh, ha- to um, Isaiah, and we've been to Micah, Uh, we were in Genesis on Wednesday night and a few weeks back, and so what I want to do this morning is go to another place, or or begin at least at another place that we don't often visit in the run-up to Christmas, and it's the first section of Matthew's Gospel, and uh, we see in verses 1 to verse 17 of Matthew that we have the the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's how the gospel begins. And some of you might have been listening to me read and thinking, why on earth is he, is he making such a hash of reading through all these names and verses? Why doesn't he just go straight to the stable? Why doesn't he get to the shepherds and the angels and all that? Now, don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, but this is how Matthew begins. And so this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is something that we are intended to read and, and note. Uh, it's a, admittedly, it's a, it's a strange way to begin one of the most exciting books ever written with this family tree. And, and it's quite a contrast uh, to the way that the other Gospels begin. Because if we, if we glance at the other Gospels, if you go to, you don't need to go there, but if I go to Mark, uh, Mark does everything at breakneck speed. And so Mark, uh, he just begins his gospel like this. The beginning, we've got the beginning. In the Greek, it just says beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then uh, Luke, uh, the, the medical mind, uh, he's, he's very, he's very um, orderly in the way that he sets things out. He gives us an introduction to his report. Uh, he says he's carefully investigated all these things about Jesus and he's presenting to Theophilus uh, this, this report, uh, this account of uh, things that's a very orderly and uh, a chronological account. And then uh, John and his gospel, uh, he is very spiritual and theological. He takes us way back to before the beginning of time. Uh, he says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God. 
and the word was God and our, our minds are blown even when we take a minute to try to, to think about that. Uh, so these, these introductions to the Gospels, uh, Mark, Luke and John, are a stark contrast to Matthew's where he says, here's the gene- genealogy and here's a hundred names you're going to struggle to say. And I want to just begin today by asking the question, uh, why are we given these names? Why does Matthew start this Gospel in this way? Uh, what can we learn from these opening verses and then we'll move uh, to the second part of the chapter towards the end and there's four points uh, that we have to consider in the time that we have today and the first point is that God is a person God is a person the second point is that God is a promise keeper the third point is God is patient and the final point is that God is a planner so our focus is on on the character of God and the work of God, the nature of God. So let's think, first of all, uh, of this amazing truth that God is a person. Verse 1 of Matthew 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, for those who know their shorter catechism, and I know there's quite a few here uh, who do, uh, we know that God is spirit. Question 4 is the question, what is God? And the answer to that question is God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. I'm looking around to see if there's any lips moving. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So God is a spirit. But the astounding truth that Matthew underlines for us here is that the infinite, Eternal, unchangeable, wise, powerful, holy, just, good, and true God, he took on flesh. The Christmas story is a story of of the incarnation. Uh, As we sang it in the carol, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man, with man to dwell, Jesus, the Emmanuel. John puts it this way in, in John Chapter 1, verse 14, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And in Matthew uh, chapter 1 and verse 18, which we'll come to in a a minute or two, uh, we read about the birth of Jesus. And it was a natural birth. Mary was the natural mother of Jesus. And yes, the the conception uh, was, was supernatural. The conception was miraculous. Uh, She, verse 18, was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. But the pregnancy was natural. And and the birth of Jesus uh, was natural. And the child that was born was fully human. And Matthew, in these opening verses, uh, he he lays out for us the the family line of Jesus. He expounds the truth to us that God the Son, he is a person. And you can go back through this family history. You can go through all these names. You can go through this family line and see the the fully humanness of of, of God. Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. And I think we we have a good grasp of the fact uh, that Jesus is fully God. But I think it's, it's very possible that we often overlook the fact that Jesus is fully man. He's human. And Matthew underlines that in these opening verses and we might ask the question why is there a need to say that and I think there's at least two reasons that we can 
that we can consider when we think about why Matthew begins his gospel this way. And the first thing is, Matthew wants us to understand that this truth about the birth of Jesus is real. This Christmas story that so dominates the the month of December, uh, this story of the child that was born to save his people from their sins, this story is real. This is truth. This is believable. Christmas story is it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. This is history. Not fantasy. This is genealogy. We can trace back through the real life family line until we get to Christ. Matthew wants us to, to see that. He wants us to see that, that God, that Jesus, God the Son, is a person with a, a family line, relations, a family tree just like you have. And I think the other reason that we need to take hold of this fact that God is a person is is because we need the encouragement of that. We have a God who understands what it's like to be a person. We don't come this morning in prayer to a God who is so remote from us and other than us that he cannot feel what we feel. We have a God who understands everything that we feel. And so as we come to to Jesus in the privacy of our own closets and we pour out our hearts to him about all the things that might trouble us, he understands. Jesus knows what it's like to experience the, the, the joys and the sorrows and the pains and the temptations and the tears and the struggles and the highs and the lows of this world. So when you and I come to God in prayer, Our God understands us because he is a person who has walked where we've walked and who's been through what we're going through. Remember the story I've told in the past here about the little girl uh, who was was scared of the dark. And her mum put her to bed and she didn't want to stay in the room in the the dark. She wanted her mum to stay with her. But her mum had stuff to do and it was the time in life to to try to to teach them to to sleep in their own room. And... uh, she wasn't very happy about it, but her mum said to her, don't worry, you know, you're, you're not on your own, we're just here. And remember, God is with you. <coughs> and the wee girl settled down and she was okay for 10 minutes, but the crying was starting to rise back up. And so the mum went back in and, and checked her and said, you're okay, don't worry, we're just here. And remember, God is with you. She settled back down. Third time, back through the same thing. She's crying, don't worry, we're here, God is with you. And she responded as only a little child could by saying, I know God is with me, but I want a God with skin on. And we understand what she meant. And picking up on that uh, in, a, in a reverent way, Jesus is God the Son with skin on. He was born into this world, down a family line as a person. He's part of a family that we can trace back into time. And Matthew wants us to see that. So point number one is God is a person. Point number two is God is a promise keeper. And I'm going to accelerate through this point a little bit, looking at the time. The children the children were more than I could handle this morning. I think they took up twice my time. God is a promise keeper. And we've been into the promises of the Old Testament over the past few weeks. Think about Genesis 3.15. Uh, Adam and Eve, they fall. Sin comes in. And immediately there's this promise of, a, of one who would come uh, through the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman. And, and this one who would come would be a death crusher. He would be a life giver. That was God's promise. 
And then we fast forward a little bit through the Old Testament uh, and we get to the family line of Abraham and, and, and God says to Abraham, through your line will come blessing. And it seems so far-fetched because Abraham and Sarah, they had no children and they were approaching 100 years old. But as they wait on God, eventually the child comes. We thought about the promise on Wednesday night too, Genesis 22. Through your offspring, God says to Abraham, all nations on earth will be blessed. God's promise. One is coming, Genesis chapter 3. The death crusher. One is coming, Abraham. Genesis 22. He's the source of blessing to all nations. Isaiah 9. There's the promise through Isaiah uh, that in the darkness of this world, a light was coming, a child would be born, a son would be given, through him there would be peace. God's promise. Micah 5. Israel are struggling as a nation. But there's the promise of a, of a saviour who would help them, who would be the, the shepherd king. So from the very beginning, there is this promise of God to send a saviour. One who would help them, one who would, who would give them joy, one who would give them peace, one who would, who would bring salvation. That was God's promise. And you have to wait for generations for that promise to be fulfilled. And we, we can follow that through the, the Old Testament. Now, when we think about gifts promises. Some of us here might be waiting anxiously for gifts to arrive. You know, we've placed an order, we've thought about what gift to get, and uh, then post went on strike, and uh, we're wondering, is it ever going to come? So you go back to your order, you get the reference, you're plugging it into the track and trace uh, system, uh, and you're, you're, you're trying to see where on earth in the timeline is this gift? Is it going to be delivered in time? And in Matthew 1, in the first 17 verses, uh, God, through Matthew, has given us a list. He's given us a family line of people. And as we step through that list, we've no time to do this, but if we were to start looking through some of the names in this list, uh, we can trace the promise of God through the generations, through lots of different circumstances and, and situations. We can trace and track the progress of God's promised gift over thousands of years we see this promise that continues, that's amplified, and eventually it gets to and it stops at Jesus, the Savior. J.C. Ryle says, learn from this list of names that God always keeps his word. He had promised that in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth should be blessed. He had promised to raise up a savior of the family of David, Genesis 12, Isaiah 11. And these 16 verses, says Ryle, they prove that Jesus was the son of David and the son of Abraham and that God's promise was fulfilled. So even as you look at this dry list of names, you might say, what you and I see in this dry list of names is that God is a promise keeper. Jesus, God the son is a person and God is a promise keeper. Jesus, Jesus is the saviour. The one whom we get to through this family line. He is the saviour. He is the one who delivered God's promise. He is the Messiah. He is the one who came to destroy the works of the devil. He's the one who came to take us from darkness to life. He is the one who came to bring us peace. So as we consider the message of Christmas, we see, we see that God is a promise keeper. And we can trust him. God is a person who understands us. God is a, a promise keeper. Uh, one whom we can trust. And the third thing here is God is patient. 
And we see that too as we go through this, as we go through this family line. I don't know how many of you have done your family history. Um, we did ours some years ago, or my dad did. And uh, in every family history, there, there, there can be some events to celebrate and there can be some events and characters uh, that you'd, you'd rather gloss over. Every family comes with some difficult characters. Maybe we are the difficult characters in our, in our families. Uh, every family will have some stories in the history that we might not like to tell. But in this family tree that Matthew sets out for us, uh, everything is out in the open for us to see. One commentator says, some of the names we read in this catalogue remind us of shameful and sad histories. And if we were to even do a little bit of study into the names on this list, uh, we, we can see the patience of God. There are names here like Ruth, and Ruth was a Moabitess, who were the Moabites, they were the enemies of God, they hated God. And yet God took hold of her, and, and he used her, he blessed her. You, you could note the name here uh, in the list, Rahab. Who, who was she? Well, she was a Canaanite prostitute. You can note the name Tamar. Tamar, what was her story? Well, you almost couldn't broadcast it at this time of the day. Uh, she deceived her father-in-law by dressing up as a prostitute, and she had twins with him. You'd want to delete that from your family history. You see the name Jacob. It's a dishonest man, dislikable man. He was a schemer. You see the name David, and we love David, the psalmist, but we don't have to look too hard into his life to see that he was a sinner, he was an adulterer, uh, he was a murderer. And so the family tree of Jesus has some names in it that we might be tempted uh, to, to delete. This family tree of Jesus has some stories in it uh, that we would rather not tell, but God tells them. And this family tree here shows the, the patience of God with, with broken, sinful people. It, it shows the, the grace of God. It shows how, how God is able to take uh, broken people and messy, difficult situations and use them even for his glory. Remember some years ago in the, in the hall, the community centre when we were in there, there was a man who came to speak, George Verwer uh, was his name. He was the head of a mission organisation called OM. And he said lots of things, but one of the things that he said, one of the things that he said that stuck with me was um, he, he was talking a little about missiology. Now, missiology is, is that study of, of God's mission, how God reaches out to us to seek to save us. And he said to us in, the, in, his, um, in a comment that was kind of an, off, an off-the-cuff comment, he said, you've heard about missiology. He said, I want to tell you about messiology. He said, I want to tell you uh, from my experience about how God works through messy people and messy lives and messy situations all over the world. And he told a few uh, incredible stories. But it's a truth that we see threaded all through Scripture. God is patient. He's patient with us. And our hearts are messy. Our hearts are, are dark. There can be things that pass through our minds. There can be things that lodge within our hearts. Uh, that, that can discourage us and can be a grievance to God. But he is able to save us. He's able to cleanse us. Jesus, God the Son, came into this world not just to be born, but to live the righteous life that we can't live, that we're not living, and to die the death that we deserve. Jesus' blood was shed so that our messy lives and our dark hearts can be cleansed. And God can use us, even though we're... We're complicated creatures with all kinds of messy uh, situations. Uh, 
God doesn't airbrush us out of his plans. He doesn't strike us off his lists. He can use us like he used Ruth and like he used David. He can take situations that we get ourselves into and that the devil designed for evil and God in his sovereign power can turn them around for good and for glory. And we see that in the in the incarnation as we explore the family tree of Jesus and we see that above all in the crucifixion, the darkest act ever to be seen on this planet. As God the Son is put to death, it's an act which God used in his plan, in his sovereign power to secure our salvation. God is patient, that's the point. God is love and, and he is kind and he is patient with us. So, so be encouraged to come to him. Be encouraged to trust him. God is a person. God is a promise keeper. God is patient. And very briefly to finish, uh, God is a, a planner. Now, even as I look around the building here, I can see, I can see some people who are planners. And uh, planners like to have everything uh, under control, you've got lists for your Christmas cards, you've got lists for your um, your Christmas menus, you've got lists for every day and every hour uh, over the Christmas season. Some people are planners, everything has to be planned out. And as we look at just very briefly the, the second section here, think about Joseph for a minute. We often overlook Joseph in the, in the Christmas story. Joseph had a plan, he had a plan to marry Mary. As some of you here are, are engaged plans to marry and Joseph had this this plan to marry Mary but all of a sudden Joseph's plan was in ruins look at verse 18 and 19 this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph now engagements back then uh, were rock solid it was as good as being married if you broke off an engagement you had to get a divorce So his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. There's the miracle. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So think about Joseph. he, He must have been in a state of panic. I mean, what was going on? His wife is pregnant. She's starting to show, and it's nothing to do with him. So what would he do? Well, he's a righteous man. He doesn't want to hurt her. There doesn't seem to be any kind of a vindictive spirit in Joseph. So he plans to break things off uh, quietly. But that wasn't God's plan. Verse 20, but after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph has his plans and they've just been shredded. But God has a bigger plan. So what was the plan of God? What was God going to do uh, through this pregnancy? What was God going to do through this child? Well, well, the plan was revealed through the names of God. And we saw that in Isaiah. And we see it here again, verse 21. Uh, The angel uh, says, She will give birth to a son. Mary will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins so God's plan was to save us from sin and that has been God's plan from the beginning take that in 
God's plan from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when Adam and Eve fell, God's plan was to save his people from their sins. And this child would be the savior. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, see, we could not and we cannot save ourselves from sin. And we need to accept that. That's the most humiliating thing. It's a thing that I, I see in people uh, that is the greatest offence. You know, there are people who, who sit in chairs like this and they try and live good lives and they say, well, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm doing what I can. Surely I can save myself. Surely my good works will, will get to a level that's good enough uh, that on the last day God will say you can come in. Surely I've sat in enough of these chairs over the years and sat through enough communion services uh, to, for God to have mercy on me and say, well, you know, on the basis of your life, you're okay. But you're not okay. Nothing you and I can do will ever save us from our sin. We can't do it. And so God needed himself to come to be the Savior. And Jesus is God the Son, Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior. And the angel, as he speaks with Joseph, is, is showing Joseph something of God's plan to save. So what did Joseph do? When Joseph woke up, it says he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph trusted Jesus and Joseph received Jesus into his life. And the question I want to finish with is, is not so much what did Joseph do, but it's what will you do? Will you trust God? Will you receive Jesus to, to be your savior? Will you give him your heart? God is a person. He knows you. He understands you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to trust him. God is a promise keeper. And you can scan through thousands of years and get evidence after evidence of the fact that he is trustworthy. God is patient and he will not drive away anyone who comes to him. And God is a planner and his plan was to save you and I if we will let him. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we pray for the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. We are conscious, I am most conscious of all that my words have no impact without the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Lord, that you would work uh, through your scripture, that you would help us to see who you are and who we are and how much we need you and everything that you have done to make it possible for us to be saved. Grant us faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing uh, to finish Mission Praise 337 in the bleak midwinter. And think about the words you're singing in the last uh, verse of uh, that, that hymn. Are they real to you? What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? Give my heart. Some of us here haven't given Jesus our hearts. Let's be honest. And even in these verses, if we sing from our hearts, our lives, our eternal destiny will be changed. God will not force his way into your heart, but he knocks. Yes, there's resistance. I can feel it. But if we trust him, if we open our hearts to him, he will come. So think about this. 
And I may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit, be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.